Got a good feeling about this one, Chris. I'm feeling good, man. I think this is going to be a, a good. The, I think this is going to be the best podcast we've ever done. One, it's a low bar, but two, even still, I don't think you should uh, set that as a expectation. You're like a you're like a podcast Grinch stepping on my my goals, my dreams. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna yeah, keep it in mind it? that you, I'm gonna keep it in mind that you want this to fail. That you want this to be a bad podcast. I That's what I'm... I don't want this to fail, Dan. It's just mm. we've been doing it for eleven years. You know, we've still not done a good one. <laughs> so why expect it now? <laughs> I think I think we've done good ones, but I think you know. You don't think it'll be know. this one? I don't know. I mean, you've made it weird. I just, I just thought, I don't know what's happening now. Based on this conversation, no. Based on your decision, if this is if this is the intro, based on your decision to derail me for your own amusement, no. Especially because on the, po- the podcast we've done most recently with the Titus deadline, and I've gone straight into derailing you. I know, and like he, this and, is and like the hardest being... out you've had in ages. And we- <laughs> But like, and also, but it's just the way you're being like this sort of weird, <laughs> pernickety little arsehole. When you're like, is it, be, is it gonna, is it gonna be the best podcast, Chris? Like, well, if you're, if you're in this vibe, probably this is, not. This is our version of that video of Justin Lin and Vin Diesel when he's like, yeah, this will be the best Fast and the Furious movie we'll ever want. It Justin, Justin's like, uh huh, and then like two days later, Justin Lin leaves the project. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna leave the project. We've got another Indiana Jones movie to watch after this. Yeah, we do. That's true. All right. Anyway, uh, roll the credits. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews, and today we'll be having what I have decided will be the, the best podcast we've ever done. Um, uh, Dan, as always, joined by Chris, we're reviewing movies from our youth. Um, we're doing the Indiana Jones trilogy, the build-up to the new one, uh, Indiana Jones, and the, hopefully this one's better than the last one. Um, so this one, this week, we're doing Temple of Doom. If you wish to hear our thoughts on Raiders, go back a week. If you wish to hear our thoughts on Last Crusade, sign up to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be fair, our, our history is very much, you know, it was a big part of Dan's childhood and I hadn't really ever watched it apart from in a media studies lesson, I watched the first one. Right. I mean, that is summing up our history in 30 seconds and we probably took about 25 minutes to say it. Uh, but we talk about that in a bit more detail. We tend, if it's a trilogy, we tend to do history up top and uh, mm-hmm. and, and not each week. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, I don't. Yeah. I don't but, have yeah. any specific memories. I said this last week. Mm. These films are really weird for me because I watched them quite young, and then I didn't really watch them in my sort of late teen, early twenties, like years. And I've sort of come back to them more recently. So there's this big sort of period of time where I wasn't really rewatching these movies. So they all kind of blend together for me because my memories of them are so much just sort of Saturday mornings VHS or like you know almost not background tv but like you know what i mean they were just very they were frivolous watches they were never like they were never my favorites like star wars so it was always like oh i love these movies but like a more of a like yeah stick that on i like that you know sort of 
the, the, the passion that I have for something and the obsession I have over something like Star Wars where I needed to know every detail and every scene inside out is not the same. So the Indiana Jones movies are always a much easier thing for me because it's like, my, I don't have, I don't remember the first time I watched Temple of Doom. I may have even seen Temple of Doom first. Like, I, I genuinely don't know. Like, I just, they were just on TV, on repeat, you know, because it was cheap, easy content on a Saturday on ITV or whatever. Uh, so I would just watch them when they did, um, you know, and I and I really enjoyed them. Um, so yeah, so we, we've sat down to watch Temple of Doom. Now, there's some things I can talk about now that I've been avoiding talking about the previous episodes we've discussed these movies, Chris. Mm. Um, first of all, the fact these movies are always very standalone and a lot of the characters from the previous movie never end up in the next one. Um Kept it to myself that this movie is technically a prequel because you asked last week about Marion and I was like, ah, do you want to know the the answer? Because the answer is sad. Um, yeah, I think I think I said as well, like that I'd seen some sort of timeline video on YouTube and the and the key moments thing had Temple of Doom before right. Raiders, and I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's tricky because. You know, it's clear when he meets Marion in the previous movie that they'd not seen each other for a while. So I guess they had a real struggle with like, if you want to make this one a prequel, and we'll talk about the reasons why they chose to do that later, because it could have been a sequel. There's not a lot in here that precludes that, but I think it was a, a way to stop you from wondering where the Nazis were. It was basically was George mm. Lucas's logic. Although, if it had been a sequel. And they're in India. Right, one second. Keep oh. keep talking, but someone's just come to the door. So. How exciting. Keep talking. Oh, I get to find out who comes to the door while I talk. Amazing. Um, so I, I think that George, George Lucas's notion was, like, you won't go, where are the Nazis? Because it's set a couple of years earlier. But the problem with that is it's in, they're in India, you know, off on a globetrotting adventure. I wouldn't have questioned the lack of Nazis. You know, it, it wouldn't have occurred to me to wonder where the Nazis were as villains in this piece. So it was a really odd choice. I can hear, I can hear so much movement on Chris's end. It's hilarious. This is quite funny. Uh, is that him coming back up the stairs? Oh, my day. It's vastly improved. So much for this being the best podcast. He's not back at the bank yet, so I'm, but I'm, so I'm, I'm left floundering instead. Uh, no, yeah, so I think that's the logic with the with the with the, the choice to not include the Nazis. But the problem with you doing that is, you didn't really need to do that to avoid using Nazis. But then you've got the weird situation of you can't really bring Marion back into it. So, but there is another reason they didn't bring Marion back into it, which I'll get to later. George Lucas, this era's most divorced man. Um, quite unhappy, <laughs> and, and it and it shows. Well, so all all his characters had to get divorced or, or break uh, up. Or... I I feel like I I we'll talk about it properly later because it's in the triv. But basically, Spielberg was going through a breakup. Lucas was going through a divorce, and I think it shows in their attitudes. Um, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure there was any real need to make this a prequel. Um, and it raises some. Well, qu- it raises questions like, where was Short Round in Raiders? No, that's that's not the biggest question. I I was distracted a lot, and I you know, we're, I I enjoyed this movie. This this may sound like I'm starting on a negative, but there I are negatives to this movie. We'll talk about. I them. was just dis- I was distracted the entire way through this movie because I'm sat there going, if this is a year before Raiders, how is Indy? so jaded and dismissive of anything like supernatural or spiritual 
having had this adventure. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, I, I, it, it retrospectively does damage Raiders because the man we see in Raiders yeah. is not a man that witnessed another man's body go into a pit of fire. And uh, the his heart, which had, been, which had been pulled out of his body, even though there was no visible damage when doing that, then light up in flames as well, and numerous voodoo things, yeah, contro- like, controlled by voodoo, controlled by whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the man that witnessed the, all of that yeah. a year before Raiders <laughs> yeah. does not start Raiders going, dis- and and that's a big and uh, genuinely like. Like I say, I, I did really enjoy this movie. But genuinely, one of the things we complimented most about Raiders is Indy's arc. And this film retroactively makes it make fuck all sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, there's a line that... in the trailer for Dial of Destiny, you know, where he says something like, you know, I always see, you know, weird stuff and I've never really like, you know, I'm not stuff I can't always explain, you know this idea that he still remains a skeptic despite that um but yeah <laughs> yeah it's i hadn't even thought of that i mean i i think the supernatural stuff sort of doesn't necessarily function within the movie you know forgetting its connection to raiders um this is the movie i think yeah. works the least on that front personally uh, because i think the supernatural stuff in this movie is like so essentially You've got to see, oh, a quick little recap for for, for listeners who don't know the, remember the plot of this one. This is the the movie where um, Indiana Jones uh, and, and 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 friends crash on a plane and end up on a dinghy that takes them into India, and they find a village that's had a sacred stone stolen and a bunch of their uh, children. They're 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 having a famine. It's it's pretty bad. So he goes to the palace where they believe the stone and the children are being kept to try and help this village. Um, and maybe some riches for himself along the way. That's always the undercurrent with Indy. They get there and discover essentially a, a big, weird religious death cult, not related to actual Indian like culture. Um, and these guys are, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Now, the problem is, by making the supernatural stuff actually occur, you create a problem where you go, well, then this god is real, I guess. <laughs> Like, because it's the same problem they had in the in Game of Thrones, where there are like seven gods, but the the, the Red Lady does actual magic, <laughs> and you go, well, her god's real, like to some degree, right? Because she could do magic. Yeah, yeah. Like you sort of go, like that, that's got to be based in something. I can see that actually working. Whereas several of the people who believe in gods in that in that world, they have no ability. Like, doesn't nothing ever happens that proves that god exists, or a bunch of her shit mysticism. Like is it ends up proving to be to some degree real, and that's the issue you have here because you're going well. This is a crazy death cult. They're insane. You know that they believe in the all these 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 things. Um, and, and and because they can do magic for real, like voodoo, mind control, all the other stuff, you just go. I, I'm not sure. I you know. I'm not sure what the movie wants me to think here. This movie, to me, would have worked a thousand times better if the villains had just been the British, um, and it had yeah. just been it had yeah, just been sure. British uh, people coming into India to pillage its valuables um, under the guise of protecting it. And it had been a it had been a battle between Indiana Jones and the Brits over this this sacred rock that he thinks should be returned to the people. Because then you've got a, you, you know Indy's in a much better place morally. 
the ending's more satisfying. And then you don't also get the racism stuff. <laughs> or a lot of the racism stuff goes away with this movie then. Because we're going to have to have a conversation about whether this movie is racist or not. Spoiler alert, definitely is in places. Uh, we'll talk about why later. But, uh, you know, I think if you make that one simple plot change, the villains aren't Nazis this time, they're the British. I think one... Britain, history's villains. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think, uh, it, you, you know, you can't be accused of racism making the Brits going into India greedily stealing and plundering because that's what happened. <laughs> so, you know, I, you can't really be accused of, like, not being, you know, reasonable there. Um, and I think I think it makes the rest of the movie work better. I, I think that one simple change would have made this movie a lot better because I will be completely open this is my least favorite of the original Indiana Jones trilogy by quite some way. Um, I think it's the weakest for, for a bunch of reasons. And I guess we'll talk into them. I still enjoy it. I still think there's a ton of really fun action and stuff in this movie, but on the whole, there's, there's some, there'd be some issues. I don't know if I, I feel like I've had a rant there. Do you want to jump in <laughs> with maybe think, there's something I positive think, or some well, thoughts on what I've just been talking about? Yeah. So did you write, so your overview is it's your least favorite. You enjoy it, but it's got some issue. I, th- yeah, I think it's interesting. I, Cause I think the action is the, is the, the movie's greatest strength. The action adventure elements work really well, but I think the story while being a good premise falters quite heavily. Yeah. This is one of those classic. I really, really enjoyed it recognize its faults but still i enjoyed it a lot because because it's one of those things where Mm -hmm. so it's that thing of it's that age-old thing that i always like to bring up of best versus favorite right is this is this the best is this a better movie than raiders no for a lot of reasons it's not did i potentially enjoy it on par with raider raiders yeah because it does a lot of real sweet spot things for me it's i think it is more of a i think raiders has a lot of action sequences um which and this isn't a we know from last week how much i enjoy raiders i'm not criticizing raiders but i think raiders has a lot of amazing set pieces but those set pieces in themselves are quite separate i really like that this film is all set is all taking place in one location i really like that all the set pieces have a very natural flow to them Uh, you know especially once we 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 get to the palace um i also really like i'm a big one trope i hate in in or dislike in modern action movies is the need to travel around the world for no fucking reason other than to sort of be like, I don't know what, because I've never, you know what sentence to, I've to never be, heard to from be anyone. Trotting. <laughs> yes, but I've, but have you ever heard, has anyone ever said to you, Oh, I really like the way that movie had multiple worldwide locations. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like, uh, like, what the fuck? Like, that, that's just, it's no one's favourite thing about a movie. So why do movies keep doing it? So the fact that, and that's very much a modern trope, and this is, you know, a movie that was released in the 80s, um, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah but, 80, 84, I think. But, but in terms of, and again, so that's why I don't give this movie credit for it when it comes to the point scoring of, is it, is it the best movie? You know what I mean? It doesn't get any points for that category. But in the category of how much did I personally enjoy watching it, how much is it, you know, one of my favourites, it gets a lot of points for that. Um, I really like that. I think Short Round is very entertaining. The chemistry between those two actors is absolutely incredible. Um, 
I I like the character of Willie. Like, even though I can, I think there's a lot of criticisms to how the character was written. I think yep. she's doing a great job. Um, and you know the the a- actress, like, I don't know her name to hand, is doing a wonderful job with uh, what Kate, she's given. Kate, moments, Kate Capshaw. moments like the snake moment. Um, mm-hmm. Moments like the scene where they um, both go to. Uh, their separate rooms and pace about moments like the the scene with the where they're basically in the trap room and the ceilings coming down um, and she's fighting with him about it on the outside like I I enjoyed all of those scenes um, so my sort of headline thought is is it a better movie than Raiders fuck no definitely definitely not did I personally have as good a time watching it if not potentially even like definitely on par or in some more. ways yeah. more yeah, I I I yeah. absolutely did. Like but that's not me saying that's me very much going all of that is personal. You know, the 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 fact that it's all in one location, the fact that it, you know, no pun intended given the given the end sequence or one of the end sequences, the fact that it plays like a roller coaster mm-hmm. really appeals to me. In the, in the same way that Mad Max Fury Road does. It's not quite that and obviously like the you could argue the first 20 minute set pieces with the plane and and all of that sort of adventure are, are separate things. But again, it's an Indiana Jones movie, so you know that the first 10 15 minutes is going to be a set piece sequence. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I I my headline thought is is it a better movie? No. Did I enjoy it as much, if not a little bit more? Yeah. <laughs> Do I feel... And also, oh, this is the other thing. Because I know that these movies deal with Nazis a lot. I think it's a lot of the reasons I... We talked about it before. A lot of the reasons uh, both of us, in fact, really like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is as a book, not necessarily a film. Although we came to like the film in rewatch when we did it last year. Um I like the fact that that's about Sirius Black. I like the fact that that's not about Voldemort. And this sort of feels like that as well. This feels like this feels like doing something completely different. This is an Indiana Jones movie that technically starts with a musical number. And in a world where I'm not hugely invested in Indiana Jones, in that I don't have a lot of nostalgia, it's not a part of my childhood, in a way that the property, like you were saying, you know, it's not like an analysis of every scene since I was little and all that sort of stuff. And the, the comparison you used for you was Star Wars. Comparison with me as a child would be, you know, something like Power Rangers. The fact that I don't have that emotional investment means that when this movie isn't about the Nazis and starts with a musical number, I go, oh, that's fun. Like, that's cool. That's a bit different. And therefore, I enjoy watching it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's my my it, big headline. It, that's really interesting because I because I, I, I do think this movie wins for its differences. I do agree. Different setting, uh, you know, tone, all of that is is good and, and and smart in my opinion. When you when you're sitting down to make a movie like this, you you don't want it to be just more of the same. It's why I hate Die Hard too. You know, it's just literally the same movie again in a different locale. There's like nothing to it here. It is completely different in terms of its tone and approach. The uh, you know they, they they almost intentionally choose to flip the script on the um, the love interest. While in the previous movie it was a, a very capable um, sort of very much inside the sort of world character that understood the situation she was in, understood the adventure was on. A, I really like the choice in pr- in principle at least. To have a character that's you know not from this world, 
forced to sort of live in it, you know, and suffer at the hands of it, because that's it's it's different and it's entertaining in its own way, you know, um, if handled well. Um, I don't. I I like the choice to do something different with the opening, but I don't particularly care for the James Bond style. You know, he shows up in a suit. I just think that doesn't really fit. You know, I think that's maybe a step too far. Being different, I'm not sure. Him having a negotiation in essentially what is it like a like a like a that, that bar with suited men and it all being over a diamond or whatever. I don't know. That that just doesn't feel very Indiana Jones to me. I think. I guess yeah, there is always there is always feels... a risk of going too far when you want to do something different. Well, I think it's because it feels different. But it feels like James Bond, <laughs> so it doesn't feel different. Like it's something else. It feels like it's specifically emulating Bond, right. which the movie also does in the scene. And we're sort of into, I think, spoiler talk now. Um, yeah, uh, we're obviously. I mean, because, it goes without saying we're recommending the image, the original yeah, Indiana Jones trilogy. I think Temple yeah. of Doom has some issues, yeah. which we'll get to. But like, fundamentally, it's still a fun film. So you know that yeah. that the recommendation stands. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. Um, the you know the scene where he's seducing her in the bedroom feels awfully James Bond as well. So I yes. think it's for you. It's not the fact that it's different. It's the fact that it's different and yet trying to copy something else and trying to well, be something else. That's really interesting because I I, I I I think you're right. Him, you know, in the, the the bedroom sequence is to some degree emulating James Bond to start with. But what I like about that is it flips the James Bond trope on its head. Because it then ends up being that Indiana Jones is too stubborn to be James Bond. <laughs> He's too stubborn and arrogant to actually be James Bond. In that he then leaves. And out of sheer like, well, I'm not going to come for you if you're not going to come for me. They both just don't end up getting together in that moment. And that's fantastic. Because that is usurping a Bond trope. Whereas the f- opening scene feels like it is sincerely be- just copying Bond. Like, let's do a Bond scene without any like I like any thought to what's the Indiana Jones take on a Bond scene? Does that make sense? So mm, yeah, I'm yeah, really not a fan of the opening sequence of this movie. Um it's probably one of my least favourite things in the, the original Indiana Jones trilogy. Um I just don't think it works. I think it is it, the, the tone is wrong. It doesn't then use you know flip that trope in any way. It doesn't do anything to examine it. It just outright copies it for yucks. And I don't think it's particularly. I don't even think the action in that sequence is particularly good. Particularly when you've watched the whole movie. Like I was watching it. Like I guess this is okay. Like you know there there's some shooting and they you know the, the, I guess to some degree jumping out of the plane with the dinghy is interesting if nothing else like i've not seen that before uh you know to some degree then you finish the movie and you go the action of this movie is so fucking good throughout that opening scene in retrospect is then even worse because like the opening scene very little of like the only thing i like really in action wise in the opening scene is the gong thing rolling along and they running them running behind it while the machine gun happens that's great i, I love that it's a fun visual it's an exciting moment you know it, it, it shot well it's executed while well, the sound effects are really good. everything works in that one brief moment but everything else about the opening sequence just like i kind of can't stand and i also i don't like that indy was dumb enough to drink the drink it was obviously poisoned and like no one acts intelligently in this why do those guys crash the plane indy's asleep on the plane shoot him in the head and chuck the body what are you doing 
I know. Like, they don't, it's so weird. Like, he's, because that's what I thought they were going to do, like, attack them when they started creeping through. Yeah. But to, to like, if you want to definitely kill him. <laughs> kill him. Like you say, shoot shoot him in the head. Slo- kill him. Slit his throat, whatever. Do something. Like, it's insane. And I know it leads to the action sequence, but it all just feels very contrived. It's, honestly, it's the worst section of the movie by quite some way. And when I was first, when we were, when I was watching it this morning, I was like, shit, is this movie really, like, that bad? Because I know this one doesn't have the best reputation for reasons we'll get to as well, like, not annoying characters sort of racist undertones there's definitely some of that but like and some racist overtones too uh we'll get to Uh, yeah i was gonna say uh, a lot a lot of that racism isn't uh isn't hidden yeah 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 we'll talk about that because i think there's a i think there's a i think it's really interesting how they how this played out but we'll we'll come back to that but the the opening sequence just did not work for me on any level it doesn't make sense the characters do incomprehensible things um, the action's the worst of the whole movie. The tone's all wrong. It's just, yeah, I, I, it's baffling. The opening sequence is by far the worst part of this movie, <laughs> other than maybe the dinner scene, but we'll get to that. So, yeah, I don't, I, so that is a problem. Um, and, and something the rest of the movie doesn't really suffer from, because I think the things I'm criticizing, that mo- the, the opening of the movie for like not having a sensible tone, characters making illogical decisions, that doesn't really run through the rest of the movie. The action in the rest of the movie is really good. Yeah, I, I, it's just a real shame that the first sort of 10, 20 minutes of that, um, because it's, yeah, it, it, it didn't work for me. But it does set us off on our adventure, because, um, you know, this is not a, this is an unusual one in that it is not an adventure by choice. You know, India is not going to India in search of something to start with. He ends up in India by accident. And that you know that does set us off on that adventure and 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 trap him with the two characters. So I'm gonna I mean the the the, the movie is often criticised, Chris. So I'm gonna this is gonna lead into a question it, for you. It, for it is funny you say sorry to interrupt, but trapping no, with no. the characters because from Willie's point of view, it's like I'm not entirely sure why you're going with them. And even from Short Round's point of view, I know they like he's got a friendship with Indy and he helps him off the you know the the streets and his I think his parents were killed or something weren't they? So yeah, uh, he, was, like, he was an orphan that was living on the streets as a pickpocket and Indy's kind of yeah, and he he's a bit of an him. adventurer. He's a bit of an adventurer, but you do sort of look at even that situation and go, should you have maybe left the child at home? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, mean, I guess that a, a child that was already in a dangerous situation running around pickpocketing, he could have been, you know, murdered in retaliation at any time. You know, like, it's, I suppose there's an element of, like, Indies in a weird way sort of rescued him from a maybe a worse lifestyle somehow than mm. this. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, the, the bigger criticism this movie gets is that the characters are annoying. Now... My thing with Short Round is, I think I was very lucky. Because I think if I'd have seen this movie more often in my sort of late teens, early 20s, I might have had the cynical sort of uh, Short Round such an annoying character. You know, a lot of people went through that like that, and have had and held that opinion. Um, I don't think Short Round is anywhere near as irritating as Willie. But maybe that's just because I saw him when I was a kid, when I thought he was funny. And I'm seeing it as an adult when I find his relationship with Indy quite endearing and still find him quite funny. And I always wonder if I'd seen this movie more so in the middle of my life, I would have, you know, I would have maybe had a period of time where I felt differently about the character. Um, I do, on the other hand, understand the criticisms of Willie. I, I personally do think that character can be quite irritating 
when they overdo the screaming and screaming. And I think that that's, that's an execution. I think they, they needed to work on the tone there. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to bring someone reluctant on the adventure. Um, but I think you've also got to contend with potential criticisms of misogyny when you do it this particular way because all she's worried about is her nails and getting money like her chasing a diamond across the floor because it was shiny like it's just there's some issues with that and then the noise point and i know they make a point of indy actually saying the noise is the issue <laughs> you know make a joke of it they hang a hat on it but it doesn't make it any less frustrating there are scenes where it works no, though there are scenes where it I... works for them which is like the the scene with the ceiling coming down because you yeah, know the she's relu- down her reluctancy it. is the tension of that scene, so that's great. It works so well there. So I, I, I'm and a bit the mixed bedroom, on it. So go on. And the bedroom scenes where they're where they're both waiting for the other one to come yes, through. Yes, brilliant. Both being yeah, perfect. Sort of stubborn. So, so I, the, I really liked that as well. That that was leading to my question, which is like how you felt about both characters, and you know the the criticisms that the movie has had fielded at it in the past about the characters being annoying. Well, I love Short Round, but I and I didn't. I thought he was quite quippy and fun, and obviously, you know, <laughs> I knew going into this movie who played Short Round, <laughs> and I knew that like I know the Hollywood story of that that everyone's been talking about for the sure. last, <laughs> you know, twelve months. Again, that's not a defense of the movie, but I can only give I you know my. From a from a movie structure perspective, from a yeah, the character can be a bit irritating, um, and can be um, you know, there's an element of why is this character here, especially when you've had a sequel, uh, you've had a first movie that doesn't include the character. But I can't help but get swept up with the <laughs> with the hey, there he is, like you know, of it all, and yeah. and knowing that Harrison Ford, you know. 30 years later or whatever it was presented that man an oscar like yeah. I, I can't help but bring that to the to the view and maybe i'm being you know more and you know if anyone's going there have been reviews before where you've not been so uh, you know swayed by your personal opinion but i just i, I have to be honest and and so mm-hmm. but also i think there's some really sweet the scene where they're playing poker is a really yep. sweet scene They've got Agreed. great chemistry. The running joke about him him constantly doing kick-ass things and Indy's missing them. Um, yeah. Like, you know, when he's like, stop playing with the kid, even though he's just, like, attacked the kid and saved Indy, Ind- Indiana Jones' his, yeah. like, life because of it. I think all of that stuff's really fun. Yep. And I think, again, Willie... I think, Willie, I, f- I kind of forgive, in a way, the screaming and the diamond stuff because... There's a bit of a character arc then there by the end. There's that moment at the end where you where she's like, I'm never seeing you again. I'm going to this place. Da, da, da. But then he, you know, he lassoes her and it lassoes her. Um, and, you know, they kiss and they smile and she smiles at the children that surround her. And she's more yeah. she's more comfortable in the location. Like she goes on a bit of an arc. Like, is it the best arc? No. Is it as good as the Miriam stuff in the first movie? No. Are the scenes entertaining enough? For me to go along with it, especially because also, I mean, it's it's a prequel. I mean, part of the problem with a prequel is often nothing matters. It doesn't matter that I'm not overly invested in them as a couple. I know that one year later, they're not together. Equally, the flip side of that, the negative side of that, is I also know whenever Indy's life is in danger, that he's not going to die. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, some tension is taken out of that scene where the ceiling's coming down as a result. Um so you know that in a way bothered me way more than 
their chemistry. But I think again, because potentially it's like, well, these these couple aren't going to, they're not going to be together anyway. So I don't need to be particularly invested in them as a couple, right? Or think- even, or even her as a character. And I get, you know, at the time. Uh, you know, uh, and I get on why people would have had that reaction because, especially as none of the characters you love from the first movie are there. I know it's a prequel. I know, I know, going in that we're going to get later stories that might bring those other characters back. So again, I think that does affect my reading of it. Right. I completely get why you why you have a bit of an issue with Willie, but why others definitely have an issue with her, and why some found you know short round a bit annoying. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it didn't bother me. The, 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 there are elements of her that are baked into stereotypes of women, um, which is, you know, unfortunate. She's sort of nagging India a lot. Again, she's more worried about her nails than the fact they've no longer got a gun. Like, she, you know, chasing a diamond because it's shiny. You know, even if the movie does sort of set her up at the end of maybe being a little bit less, you know doesn't change the fact that the movie spends most of its time having her deeply uncomfortable doing anything and like and 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 the fact that she's she's female doesn't read well especially because the previous movie had such a great you know sort of capable uh, sort of female lead um it, it is tricky here that they've gone a different route and but this is where they've ended up um so yeah i, I i'm mixed on it because i don't like i said there are definitely scenes where it works i loved the sequence where Indian short round go down through the cave and the bugs and deal with all that stuff quite, you know, reasonably calmly. And then they get trapped and they, and they have to call her down into it. And they, they're on a timer. They're about to be squished with the spiky ceiling coming down to them. And she's the only one who can come down and release them. And you know, that's going to be a barrier for her. Um, so they use it to their advantage there because that creates a huge amount of tension. I really enjoy that sequence, and that only works when you've got a character like that. So I am a little bit torn. Um, on 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 Willie as a character, um, I, I do think she's played as well as she can be, considering the script by Kate uh, Capshaw. Um, uh, yeah, I think she I think she does a good job with the material she's given. It is a shame that most of her dialogue probably boxes just said screams. That's probably less good, but not really her fault. <laughs> uh, I think she does. I think I read in, in somewhere she screams like 70 times across the movie. She's, that's too many times. Really? Wow. 70 is a lot. Um, yeah, 70 is a lot. But yeah. also, back here, like, <sighs> okay, I get that with her. I really do. But with short round, mm-hmm. name me another action movie where he's got, you know, the hero's got a little kid sidekick. It's, you know, it's fucking yep. great. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think he's a good source of comedy, and I guess for people who saw Raiders, which I guess did had comedy, but I think I think Raiders is a more sincere attempt at an adventure movie, whereas this is a little bit more winking and leaning into its genre. This is a sillier movie in many ways. And I think Short Round almost represents that shift because he is a silly character in many ways. Like he's driving a car at the beginning. He's got blocks stuck to his feet. Like he's immediately, no time for love, Dr. Jones. You know, it's like straight away, he's like a silly comedic foil to uh, Indy who's presented a bit uh, pretty grumpily in (laughs) these movies. Um, You know, 
and I think it works. It's a good dynamic, but I, I do understand why audiences might have maybe misplaced frustration at the movie shift in tone onto short round because he does represent that shift in tone in many ways. I think mm. he's like the cleanest thing you can yeah. point to that's different. Yes, because I must admit, and again, it's personal. One of the big differences is Raider's got a more thought-provoking tone in a way. There's scenes, you know, there's exposition scenes about the stone and stuff, but I feel yes. like Raiders is oddly, oddly, even though Raiders starts with a massive action sequence, Raider, but that action sequence is also fundamentally a man running away from or running away from traps or dealing with traps. And even when the big ball is coming down, which is obviously the most iconic action sequence in the series... It's a man running away from it. It's not a fight in a bar with knives and guns and then an aeroplane crashing. Like, Raiders is a slower movie. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Raiders is a slow movie. I'm saying Raiders is less of a roller coaster than this. Absolutely. Raiders is more of a, of a thinking man's action movie. And I think and it scales this is less of that. Massively compared. Yeah. This is like a real ramp up, like... Everything is turned up to 11 here compared to Raiders, for sure. Yeah, so I think, to be fair, I can understand why people would potentially, you know, if you love that first movie for that, for it kind of being a, like, I think the phrase I just used was like a thinking man's action movie, which, (laughs) you know, I don't mean in in a derogatory way to other action movies, but it's just a bit, it's a bit slower, it's a bit more logic based. We talked a lot about how much of, the action sequence in Raiders is is steeped in logic, is steeped in is steeped in Indy's intelligence. Yeah, There's a lot and, less and, of and that here. Grounded, <laughs> like in reality. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you want your if you liked about Raiders, action sequences grounded in reality and um, linked to Indy's intelligence. Yeah, I understand and, and problem, and why. Problem solving. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and problem solving. Yeah. I understand by why <laughs> Willie screaming on a on a roller coaster that's going faster than that ever would in 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 actuality. While short round isn't. makes quips. <laughs> while short round makes quip. I understand why that's potentially not your not your bag. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I agree, but I think like it's also like it is funny to me because the, I've always found that short round. You know, uh, I mean, hatred's a strong word, but short round is the Jar Jar Binks of Indiana Jones, in my opinion. And I think, you know, the thing that I always found strange about it whenever I thought back on it is my fondest memory, or the thing I always think back to, when I think of short round, I don't think necessarily of No Time for Love, Dr. Jones, you know, all the weird sort of quips. I was thinking of, like, the moment when Indy is, like, sat with his, like, um, hand on his, like, his, his chin, like, resting on his hand. And in the background, short round copies that. Like mm. that's what I think of when I think of short round. Like that 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 relationship, yes. that sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, mentor mentee, even though he's only a kid, relationship. Like it's it's just something sweet about it. There's something you know likable about their in, in dynamic. And short round is capable. Like he is not. The, the the facsimile for a damsel in distress because how easy would it have been to give Indy another um, female uh, lead that was capable and with it and the, the 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 danger kept coming that there was a kid hanging around them that keeps getting sort of kidnapped in trouble damsel in distress and you have to rescue the kid 
Sean Ryan is captured at a one point in this movie, and Indy does not save him. He saves himself. His escape sequence is one of my favorite bits in this entire fucking movie because it's in, it, he uses ingenuity and like skill. Like Short Round is deeply capable. Like how? Like mm. this is not Jar Jar Binks blundering but, around the you know the battlefield, and, succeeding through accident. This is not a Mister Bean esque character. You know he's I can, yeah. I completely agree with that. And there's a, there's a, for me personally, there's, there's a similar correlation with, for, for me with Willie. I don't think of her screaming. Like only when you said that was I like, oh yeah, she did scream a lot. I think about the bedroom scene. I think about the, right. the scene with the wall coming down, the ceiling coming down. And I mm-hmm. think about her, her um, saving the day in the roller coaster <laughs> where she ends up like. Yes, and yeah, I've when... almost forgotten, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> When, when she gets rid of those guys and there's this beat of like, <laughs> like, but yeah. Dan, let's talk about how, let's talk about some shit that neither of us <laughs> can excuse or talk around. Yeah. Let's talk about the racism, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I think the movie's biggest mistake is the dinner scene, right? Because, so in terms of the racism, there are three key things that get looked at. And they get looked at in lots of detail. And obviously, two straight white guys, we're not the people to be the ones determining whether no. this movie is or isn't racist. But um, I think it's worth discussing. I think it's worth pointing out that there have been criticisms thrown at this film it, for that. It would be disin- I think it would be disingenuous to right. review the movie and not talk about it. It, this, it would yeah. be... It would be trying to pretend that doesn't exist, which right. isn't isn't uh, you know yep. isn't helpful to any narrative or discussion. No, agreed. Uh, and I think the, the same logic we applied when we talked about Aladdin. You know, um, you, you have to be conscious that this was a movie of its era, but you do also have to be honest about the things that didn't didn't work. Now, the three main criticisms aimed at the movie, I think one of the three is significantly more of a problem. So, the first is the village that they first go to. Um, you know, the people are impoverished. Um, they, 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 they're, they're, in, they're, they're sort of instilled in a mysticism. You know, all of that stuff. There's a fair amount of stereotyping going on there. But, in terms of their impoverished position, that's a plot point. They've literally experienced famine, fire... And had their children stolen. That their circumstances are not a reflection of India as, as a whole, and the movie isn't trying to present it as such. And in fact, at the end of the movie, we see them, you know, happier, more affluent, succeeding. You know, things restored. Right. So I don't think that's necessarily a massive and fair criticism. It, it, it is an issue. There is still stereotyping happening, but nothing I wouldn't like. Nothing that I. You know, I'm not trying to tell anyone who thinks anyone who feels that stuff is racist is not wrong to feel so, but I don't think that's as big of an issue as other things. Is my, is my point. The same with the sort of stuff towards the end with the death cult. I think a lot of people talk about the stereotyping that's going on there again, specifically around mysticism and stuff. But again, the movie doesn't present this as representing all people in India, and if anything, they're they're literally presented as a, a weird offshoot cult that are doing a horrible thing that others wouldn't agree with to the point where the Maharaja at the end helps Indiana Jones once he's sort of snaps out of his, you know, the, the, the curse or whatever you want to call that, that stuff. 
The issue, the real issue, in my opinion, is the sequence in the middle of the movie when they first arrive at the palace. And we do a lot of culture panic stuff because they're not being a death cult at that point. They are represent trying to represent them as like Indian culture. You know, this isn't a village that's in a very specific situation or a very specific cult. This is like they're at the palace and they're being presented with monkey brains for dessert. Um, it's fucking awful. Uh, it's so bad. That that sequence around the dinner is inexcusable on any level, and it almost means they get away with the the, stere- the mild stereotyping or whatever level you want to call it stereotyping at the beginning and end of the movie <laughs> because it's so fucking egregious in that sequence. It's awful. Everything about it is awful. And I know it's playing for a joke, but that's actually worse, in my opinion. Oh, they eat, they just eat beetles and monkey brains. I, no. No. Nil yeah. poire. Not happening. Not liking it. No. Bad movie. Bad, bad movie. Um, uh, uh, yeah. And I know there's a... Yeah, I know there's other stuff that can be laid against me for, like, its culture and its religious stuff as well. But, like, I think with the with those specifics, again, we're not dealing with a the movie isn't presenting a traditional indian belief system it's presenting a weird death cult's position so i i find it hard to take that as a stereotype in the way that i do the sequence in the middle it's really bad it's yep yeah i agree i agree with everything everything you've just said um yeah. uh, especially the the I, I think the the most uncomfortable i felt was the the dinner sequence cuz yep. that was the like the cringing like oh god because it's not it's not funny it's not do you know what i mean it's it's kind of indefensible and i know the mm-hmm. other stuff is as well but like there's literally I... <sighs> I don't even think i'd have enjoyed that sequence at the time you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you, we we naturally have a modern take on a lot of this stuff we always do when we discuss these areas right and a a lot of this stuff was not criticized at the time but came up later i think this was criticized at the time i think this was india saw the script and refused to let them shoot in india exactly what does that tell you right like surely that's the point where you go we should change this (laughs) yeah Yeah. i i I, you know I, i i admire an attempt to do a movie in another country that so lightly will show some of the culture. But, I mean, especially attacking the food. All right, this is going to make me sound bad, but India makes the... They have the best food. <laughs> like, like, this is a country with a really great culinary tradition. So of all the things, of all the things, to be, like, to do a bad stereotype, it's this one. Like... Have you had Indian food writers in this movie? It's fucking great. <laughs> and it's definitely yeah. not in any way gross. Like, I just, I'm gonna say, I do sound like a very stereotypical Brit when I say this, because I know in Britain we really do enjoy Indian food. And the food we have in Britain that's Indian as well often isn't very Indian. Like the tikka masala, which is a famous Indian dish in England, I... is not even Indian. But there are real Indian restaurants too, and they're all really good. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think that's why I say... Like, you know, as well as them refusing to let them film there, that's why I think I'd have been uncomfortable. Well, obviously, I was like one or whatever. <laughs> but, like, I've watched a lot of content from the 80s. And we, you know what I mean? There are scenes in Only Fools and Horses where they're eating at Indian restaurants. Same with yep. Alfredo Zangbet. Yep. Indian food was not this stereotype even at the time. Like, right. it was it was not this, like, the joke is... 
incredibly off the mark and outdated and horrendous even then when this movie was released. So yeah. that's why I think it's like in dis- in um indefensible from the defenses that people would usually give for a film this old with some of these things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I and and, and I think as well there was probably a ton of stuff that I won't have even clocked around religion and the faiths and the beliefs of, of, of the Indian people that, you know, ignorant white dude over here didn't even spot. So for me, you know, the, the, the racist stuff that's in this movie is related to sort of culture panic. Like, oh, they're so gross and different. You know, that stuff's a problem for me. But I'm willing to bet that the people of India found way more to be offended by in this movie than I've touched on here. Um, so it's also worth saying that, you know, while we have, we're, we're, we're making, you know, we're, we're, we think it's important to address that. I am sure even using the Maharaja himself, like having that as a character in the movie was probably a mistake, right? Because then you're tying it to real Indian culture and that's probably, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff the movie gets wrong around that too, that I'm just not familiar mm. with. So like, yes. uh, you know. Uh, and wouldn't want to wouldn't want to try and comment on and, and get wrong yeah, right i yeah for, for sure well sometimes you've got to hold up your hand and go i i don't know like i, I like i don't have that knowledge um but i if, if someone told me there were tons of problems with that stuff too yeah i'd buy it because <laughs> this movie feels like it was somewhat written with a level of ignorance um and i think yeah it shows it really does show mm. um so yeah um uh, there's probably a ton more to it we didn't discuss, but the, yeah, is this movie racist? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, especially that one particular section in the middle. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your view of um, of it all being? Just because I I I have I have no more to add on that, and I think it's you know, like you say, we're not qualified to almost talk about it too much, but we should acknowledge it, and we are absolutely categorically uh, making the stance that it's kind of fucked up um mm-hmm. what's what's your view of it all being in one place do you do you like that aspect I d- yeah i do because it makes that i always like um you know the first star wars movie how all the plot sort of takes place like in one sequence in that the characters mm, yeah, they're yeah. In one, they, they move places but that's part of a sequence like it's an immediate sequence of events where it's like i'm not missing any major chunks of the story it's like okay we're on tatooine but we got to get these plans here they go there oh shit, the Death Star's there. We're on the Death Star, we're trapped there, we're getting off that, we've got to, you know, the Death Star is the problem. Like, it's very, like, yeah, all the events flow into each other. It's not one of those movies, like a like a Bourne movie or a Bond movie, where everything ends up feeling really segmented because huge amounts of time keep getting skipped because it's like, oh, now they're off to there and we'll skip and it's like two weeks later and Bond is like, you know, changed his outfit and he's like, you know, had like all this downtime between the sequences. I like that this movie just sort of flows into itself. You know, that they, 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 they get sucked on this adventure like unwillingly and it just sort of, they have to roll with it. Like they just get pulled in and they've just got to go with the tide uh, and, and react to what's happening around them. And that gives the movie a lot of like pace that the first one doesn't have. Um, and I feel like if you'd had the movie jumping around, you'd have really broken up the pace of the movie. Um, and also this feeling towards the end of like almost exhaustion from our leads because they've been through quite a lot in a very short space of time. And we know they've had almost no downtime, you know, a- across this. 
um because we've seen basically every moment of it so yeah I, I like that choice and also it gives the movie like a tone a consistent tone with, with the exception of the opening sequence like it, it, it it's not like all the sequences have a different feel to each other because they're in different places um so yeah oh sorry my cat's meowing at me because he wants to go out hold for one second chris i just got the mic positioned well come on cat be free no worries be free. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked that element as yeah, well. Yeah, um, I, 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 I agree with what you were saying earlier. You know, like I, it's not a great mm. trope anyway. I don't know why these movies feel the need to be globe trying. It does seem. It often seems unnecessary. Mm. What are some of your other other notes? Other thoughts? Would you like to hit a nit- nitpick corner, Chris? Oh yeah, let's take a wonder, man. Yeah, we'll get on a biplane to nitpick corner, and mm. um, on the way we'll fall asleep. And the people who are driving that plane want to kill us. But instead of doing that, they're just going to jump out and leave us to die. But I happen to yep. know some plane stuff. And I gave us a safe landing at Nitpick Corner. So here we are. Um, Beautiful. Indiana Jones sends a, sends sends a, sends parcels out to all of the major palaces in India with a nerd outfit for him in case he ever ends up there. <laughs> He's like, oh, I need my, I need my, I need my professor gear. At some point, what I'll do is I'll preemptively send it to palaces and other places of note across the world. Should I ever end up at them, I've got a change of clothes ready. Because he doesn't have a big bag. He doesn't. He definitely his glasses and his shirt and all the you know the nerd clothes, as I as I jokingly put it, his his professor gear. That seems to all be waiting for him when he arrives at this palace. Yeah, the other one I really noticed was they have all that. They have that incredible battle they have that you know they have everything everything at the end and it really is you know the end of this movie really is resent relentless there was a point where i was like fucking hell we got a bridge and alligators now like this is crazy they do all of that they escape the palace and presumably what nip back for their clothes because all three of them turn up in the village at the end Wearing the things that that, that were at the palace still, like oh shit, yeah, I didn't even think with, of that. Her outfit with the white shirt, his with the jacket and the hat. Like I don't think he's got the hat with him at the end. Like no, he's he's doing he's he's just come from all the you know topless shirtless voodoo stuff. Like they, they, at what point after everything they've just been through did one of them go? Sorry, can we nip back and get a, a change of clothes? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. And while no. we're in it, and what, that's also very. I, I didn't even notice that one, but you're absolutely right. Also, all those kids ran away a good twenty or so minutes before they did. At what point did they or the kids go? Actually, sorry, can we just make these three get ahead so that it's more cool and cinematic and dramatic when we walk in? Like those kids are not going to be like, "Fuck off, we're running home, mate." Like we've just been through some shit. Like, we want to get back. Like, this is... We're not going to hang around and wait for them to get their stuff, chat to the soldiers, give a bit of a debrief. These kids are just waiting for them. Like, oh, no, we should probably... They'll be along in a minute. Don't worry about it. Like, what? That's pretty good. Um, I also... I, I, on that... On a, on, a, on a related but unrelated note, in terms of just, like, practically where children are, um, the, se- the, the premise of the sequence, Chris is that he's saying she's going to come to him for sex, and she's saying he's going to come to me for sex. And they're both in their rooms, and she says, I can't believe he didn't come, uh, as in he didn't come to me. <laughs> That's that it's going to play out differently otherwise. And he's saying, I can't believe she didn't, she didn't come see me. 
the entire time he's saying that, we can clearly see Short Round asleep on the little couch in the side of that room. Was he expecting her to come to his room and for them to what? Just bang in front of the fucking kid? <laughs> what, was, yeah. what was his plan? There was a child yeah, in that yeah, room. That's also true. What? Yeah. That's very true as well. Yeah. Um, I did think, though, in that sequence, her trying to, her just testing another part of the wall by groping the statue and pushing to see if that was also a trapdoor was entertaining. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that I like. I also really like, I, even though I don't like the, the, the gross foreign food jokes at the expense of India and that whole sequence. There is one really good joke in that sequence, which is when she realizes the Maharaja is like young and the kid says, <laughs> the ch- wait, he says something like, um, maybe he likes older women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which really, yeah, yeah. which really tickled me. Um, I also really enjoyed the, um, the scene before that with the elephant um, snake mix up, you know, where she's like, she, the elephant keeps tapping her on the shoulder so what a snake does she thinks it's the elephant yes. and she grabs it and tosses it aside and Indy kind of flips out because he doesn't like snakes um, yeah great way to remind us of that I thought yeah 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 absolutely um, yeah so yeah big fan of that stuff uh, any other oh yeah I, I, I like the assassination attempt and the fight that follows you know when he gets back to his room uh, and the guy's like, mm-hmm. that's a really good shot when you realize that guy in the background is part is not the background, but real. It's, that, that catches me out every time. When I see the movement, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that guy's look, that's a real guy. Um, yeah, similar to that, I really liked, I know, you know, we said some things about the sequence as a whole, but I really liked the champagne bottles popping and then his sort of assistant getting shot at the beginning. Um, and I just thought that's such a unique, such an almost modern, it feels so ahead of its time, that playing with yes. sounds and, and, and shots and cuts and stuff. And that, that sequence was edited together really well, I think. And and I also really liked that as his friend dies, he sort of says, you know, we who knows, you know, it's something like the next the next big mystery or the next big adventure um, the, I get there first, Indy, or something like that. I, you know, we don't know that character, but like, Ugh, like the yeah. first film, there's so much characterization of all the small parts, and the characterization of the the person that was helping him in that bar was was fantastic. I, I hate that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, really? I hated it so much. Oh, Indy. Oh, we've had so many adventures. Oh, it's such a shame that I'm dying now of all times. When we've, we've, oh, we're just, we, we were just... Oh, no, no I'm so, it's such a shame. Are you sad, Indy? I'm dying. <laughs> all, our, all that time we've spent together. No, I didn't mind it. And I just, you know, for oh, all we know, we're going to... For all people knew at the time, we were going to see their adventures in the next movie. Yeah. And these films are just going to keep going backwards in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, I, I thought it was cheap nonsense. I couldn't. I was baffled by that. It was one of the reasons, again, I, I, it's in my notes, actually. I've written, the ridiculous attempt to make me care about his dead assistant. <laughs> After all of our incredible adventures, now I die. How tragic for you, Indy. <laughs> Do the yeah, audience like care it. yet? <laughs> Yeah, so I find it really liked, interesting that worked it. for you because I found that so on the nose and so like in these dying moments giving the audience the exposition so they give a shit. <sighs> That'd be like a character dying just to be like, oh, and I'm pregnant too, right? As they fade away, like, you know, just like make you extra sad about it. I just, oh, I yeah. can't, that worked for me. I liked I to, it. I found that to... fascinating that you like that that worked for you because I couldn't get, I couldn't get over it. Like I paused because I, was I like, just liked is... that. 
I, I liked the editing of the shot with the champagne stuff. And That's I liked the, the, the... the death itself is brilliant. The attempt to make me. I care. like the poetry. So I like the poetry of these two people going on adventures and sort of one upping each other, and him saying, "I'm getting to this one. I ha ha. I get there first. I I just like. I that just felt very very well characterized to me. I thought it said an awful lot about their relationship. Well, certainly enough of about their relationship. I didn't weep over the death, but I just thought that was such an an interesting nice notion and and like i say sort of fairly poetic yeah i i i i respect that position i respectfully disagree <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine yeah, yeah. um i um i oh, i did not note here uh, that arguably willie is a very irritating particularly when she's screaming at all the animals but I do enjoy short round and indie mostly ignoring that while they play poker. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, oh, that was good. One other note I wrote actually, and I should have said this when we were talking about it. You know what's extra egregious about the oh foreign food is gross and these people eat monkey brains because they're so backward scene. It didn't need to be that way because you can have your cake and eat it too with that scene. Couldn't the joke have just been that it was normal food like good Indian food? And specifically, she was grossed out by it while everyone else was casually enjoying, like, a really nice, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're all having a saga loo or something. I don't know. But, she, but you know, to her, it's gross because she's so, like, American. And because then, then the joke is on her. Because the problem at the moment with the way it plays out right now is that, yeah, she's objectively right to say it's a little gross to eat monkey brains. Like, that is a, or the, the beetle, that is objectively like a, 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 quite an, you know, a, a, a gross image, particularly to literally eat the monkey brains out of the skull like that. Whereas if they'd made it normal food and the joke would, could have then just been that she's not cultured, not that the culture is mm. quote unquote backwards. So yeah, that's. I yeah. just realised I wrote that down. There was an easy. There was an easy fix. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that would have that would have certainly helped. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, we talked about this. We talked about this. Let's talk about the voodoo. How do you feel about the voodoo? There's two two uses of it. There's the um, mind washing. There's the brainwashing juice. You drink it. You, you you believe in that religion all of a sudden and do as you're commanded. Um, which you, you you stop by hurting the person, I guess. So flames or something will, will will undo it. And then there's the literal voodoo in that there's a doll that if you put a pin in, the person it's a voodoo doll of reacts. Um, I, I I I struggled with Indy being a puppet of them with, because he drank that juice, <laughs> even though I know. These yeah, movies. that's worse. That that was more difficult than the voodoo. I think I agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I struggled with that because there's no at no point do you th- at no point do you think they're gonna un- they're not gonna undo it, and you are part of it until they confirm that he was really under a spell. You're wondering is he playing along to trick his way out of it, and it, it, but not in a fun like oh I don't know where this is going sort of way, but in quite a, like a nagging like oh, kind of hope this isn't really what's happening because it's just a bit weird. He drinks a juice and then he believes, but I mean this is a this is a sequel the series of movies that had a you know, a box that if you opened it, it melts your face. So, you know, I guess I can't criticize it too much. But um, I don't know. What did you think? No, I completely agree. Because it, it doesn't, it, You like you say, you know it's going to be reversed. And I think it's just kind of like, 
we don't want to see our hero like that. Do you know what I mean? I know that sounds stupid. We've no, seen, you know, heroes, you know, Hawkeye spends the first Avengers film like a walking zombie, but there's just something about, like, Indiana Jones and seeing him be evil that just doesn't work. It's not what anyone goes to these movies for. You know they're going to reverse it. You feel bad for how he's treating Short Round, and then you go, "Well, you know, Short Round's either going to hit him or say he loves him or something like you know, you know what I mean." It feels it's a very it's it's arguably the movie's most predictable beat, and right. uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't love it for that reason. Yeah, uh, I think the closest it gets to being good is the moment when he puts her in chains, uh, when he puts Willie in chains, and she like she's like begging him to not do that. That's the closest it gets to being effective because you sort of go, yeah, to be sort of being sentenced to your death by your friend, you know, by someone you're sort of, you know, hanging out with is that, you know, that is upsetting. Like it's an upsetting idea. Um, but it's just yeah. not executed very well. I think, I think Ford sells it as a performance quite well. Um, oh, he's great. Yeah. When he gets up, when he's fighting it and then. He like he he sort of is fully taken over and he sort of stops fidgeting mm-hmm. and gets up and just has this stern face on him. It, it's brilliant. I you know these movies have really. I I was thinking about it the other day. I was saying to someone you know has uh, has is there an actor that has had as many truly iconic roles as Harrison Ford? You know, Han Solo, Indiana Jones, Blade Runner. You know what I mean, and then mm-hmm. and then he's also got things like the Fugitive, like you know the the notion of yeah, it's just incredible. Like I can't think of anyone with with two as iconic as Indiana Jones and Han Solo. But you know, mm. comment below if I'm wrong. But you know, he really he really sells that moment. He like you say, he's brilliant in it. But as a whole, yeah. I don't love the I don't love the idea of that sequence, let alone anything else. Yeah. Thankfully from there the movie is like thrill a minute. Like it's that the, the movie really like picks up speed because then it's once oh, it's he's insane. once short round wakes him up, you get an incredible fight sequence and tension around um Willie being low, lowered into that like lava pit thing. Um that's great. Then you have, you know, you have Short Round's escape, which happens just before that, actually, I suppose. But then you have their general escape, which ends with my favourite musical moment of the movie, which is where the theme kicks in right as he swings around this practical set and lines up with the car and then drops in it. It's just an incredible visual musical moment. Everything from the shot composition to the, to the, the rising score is just pitch perfect. And as he lands in the car, you know, and they get out, it's just, you can't not be like, like almost leaping up and down. You know, it's got so much energy to it. And then, of course, the, the actual minecart chase itself, which always is staggering to me from a visual effects perspective from a what's physically happening perspective it's exciting it's tense it's like the, the car chase from the previous movie but turned mm. up to like 11 um it's just brilliant everything about that sequence is great and then that leads us of course immediately into our final moment of sort of tension and action which is the bridge collapse um which is also really really good and well done um quite a satisfying death for the villain um yeah i i I, the movie just sort of like hits there's a certain point when it gathers so much momentum and it is around the time short round wakes indy up it just right down the hill to the bottom like it just goes and it goes so hard (laughs) like it's 
yeah. like I said earlier, it just keeps going. Like yeah. yep. basically, and not in a, in not in a. It's you know, Lord of the Rings, like ten more endings, checking your watch sort of way. No, just like a literal roller coaster, yeah. and, and sequences that in any other movie could be the final big battle. Right. Like I checked, I looked at the time. I was like, "Oh, we're in the final battle already." I was like, "Oh no, we've still got twenty minutes to go of this." Like, yep. mm, that's weird. And it's gonna feel a bit like peaks and troughs. No, no, just all peaks, just all yep. action, just all continuous and great action. Like not like, oh, it's all action. Ugh, you know, get me some story. Like really good situational story based action where you, where they've got goals to achieve and it, it, yeah, it works really well. It's brilliant really good music is always top notch um the, the movie the, the, you know these movies have a great soundtrack we've already covered that last week so yeah i don't know do, do you have any other overall notes no no overall notes from me those were the those were the things i wanted to chat about should we should we do it dan what do you want to do chris let's trim it up we're gonna give you some trivia so trivia for this movie is kind of fascinating and i'm glad that we've like wrapped up all of the conversation a bit quicker because this might take a minute. Um, so, first of all, obviously we're covering. While this is often cited as Spielberg's first sequel, technically it's a prequel. Specifically, it's set one year before Raiders. Lucas pushed for this choice because he didn't want to use the Nazis as villains once more. Now we talked about this already, but I don't think that was necessary. I don't think I would have questioned in a movie set in India why the Nazis weren't present. Like set in like Indian jungles, like you know what I mean. Like it just seems, I I, I wouldn't it would not have crossed my mind. I wouldn't have been like, but where are the no. Nazis? You know, I absolutely think you could have done this movie basically as it is, yep. <laughs> like correct. Set after, and you you're only your main question. In fact, you would question where Miriam was way more than you would question where the Nazis were. Yeah, yep, agreed. Um, so I've got a special section of the trivia. Um, well, that, sorry. One slight defense of that, though, is that Indiana Jones in Raiders feels like someone who has been on a lot of adventures and says that there makes references to feeling old and being old, and we can see that the 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 way the the adventures like put, put a toll on his body. The notion of going well, okay, this story is set before that and is an example of these adventures does make sense and is logical yeah and it, and it does make more sense. So, so it's almost like george lucas's reason for doing it was wrong but it has had benefits because i don't think it matters the nazi thing but i do think it helps with the miriam problem mm. and i think it does help mm. with that so i think there are two things mm. making it a prequel does help but they're not the th- reasons george lucas is cited for choosing to make it a prequel no I- and they also don't outweigh the the effect on the character arc in what Raiders, right. which is a real issue. Yeah. So we're in a special section of the trivia we've never had before called "Everyone Who Made This Movie Hates It." Um, in a <laughs> in a making of documentary for this movie, George Lucas said that although he originally intended for Temple of Doom to have a uh, darker tone compared to Raiders. Um, kind of like Empire Strikes Back. Oh, not my mic. Sorry. There have been a few of mic adjustments during this podcast. Apologies to those of you who have been hearing that. Um, I don't know. I'm going to be able to edit those out, but I'll try. Um, he admitted that he made this one darker than intended. Like, so he was going for Empire and he maybe went a step too far. He's explained in a later interview that one of the reasons the movie is darker and more violent than Raiders it has to do with his personal life. 
Um, he says, I was going, this is a quote that he gave at some point. I was going through a divorce and I was in a really bad mood. Um, so I really wanted to do dark and Steve referencing Steven Spielberg, uh, had recently broken up with his girlfriend. And so he was sort of into it too. Um, that's where we were at that point in time. Suddenly the idea of a shrieking, nagging woman being attached to the, uh, to one of the characters doesn't starts to feel a bit even more like yeah. intent than not but let's not worry about that let's let's just assume, yeah let's that's just, uh yeah let's that's just, not good reflection let, on the character let, but yeah <laughs> yeah let's let's assume the best spielberg has also admitted that although he agreed with lucas's idea for a darker toad film at first he started to feel uncomfortable with certain teen scenes once filming them and he would attempt to he would attempt to inject humorous elements in those scenes to try and lighten them up for example there's the scene in which indy is fighting the chief guard with the hammer and the guard uh, takes the hammer away and tosses it aside only to have it land on a bystander's head knocking him out with a, com- a comedic thud this is an example of one of those scenes where he's tried to lighten up the mood um good effort <laughs> Spielberg said in 89 I wasn't happy with Temple of Doom at all it was too dark too subterranean and much too horrific I thought I out I thought I thought it out poltered poltergeist there's not an ounce of my own personal feeling in Temple of Doom um he later added that during the making of Indiana Jones Temple of Doom um oh sorry but a document he sorry he later admitted in a making of Indiana Jones documentary he said temple of dooms temple of doom is my least favorite in the trilogy i look back and i say well the greatest thing that i got out of this was i met kate capshaw um, we married years later and that to me was the reason i was fated to make temple of doom so hates the movie happy he met his wife yeah and it is a, the irony of a of a character potentially influenced by divorce and breakups being played by a future wife is stunning <laughs> Yep. It's very, again, poetic. <laughs> yep. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, the screenwriter of, uh, screenwriter of Raiders, uh, was asked to write this script, but he didn't want to be associated with Temple of Doom. He's ref- he reflected, I just thought it was horrible. It's so mean. There's nothing pleasant about it. I think Temple of Doom represents a chaotic period in both their, referring to Lucas and Spielberg, lives, and the movie is very ugly and mean-spirited. Um, wow. Fascinating. Um According to some sources, Harrison Ford was not entirely comfortable with the film's story and not entirely happy with how it turned out. Um, But this is in contradiction to interviews he's given on home media sets where he has stated that he was fairly pleased with the film. So that's kind of a... People have reported that privately he's not been as, you know, engaged with it. Uh, But but potentially... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but publicly he's always supported the film. So there you go. Um, Spielberg actually wanted Karen Allen to reply, reprise her role as Marion Ravenwood, but um, he and George Lucas had already decided previously, like maybe when coming up with the concept for the character, that um, that every movie would include a different uh, love interest for Indiana Jones. Um, I think that is spoken like a man going through a divorce. Um, <laughs> and also smacks of trying to be James Bond. Exactly. Um, over 120 actresses auditioned for the role of Willie Scott. Sharon Stone was one of the top choices for the role before Kate Capshaw auditioned. Stone later would star in King Solomon's Mines and its sequel, Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold, two films that attempted to duplicate the excess of the Indiana Jones franchise. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of those. 
That's one of those funny things. Uh, I, if we're doing the Rick and Morty portal gun, I don't even think I'm that interested in Sharon Stone doing this role. Nah. She's a great actress, but I think we got we got we got we got the I think that's we got the best possible version of this character. I think I think Kate Capshaw did a great job with what she had. So let's talk about Kate Capshaw was miserable making this movie, and it's amazing that she ended up with Steven Spielberg. Considering that Kate Capshaw was critical of her own character, referring uh, sorry saying that Willie was not much more than a dumb screaming blonde. An unproduced script that be- that eventually developed into into Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull had Indiana reveal what happened to Willie, saying, "Last I heard, she was married to a big shot director," which is obviously an in joke because she ended up marrying Spielberg. For the bug chamber sequences, Kate Capshaw really was covered with two thousand insects. Um, she took sedatives prior to the scene in order to get over to, uh, over her fear and claimed they definitely worked. There was you know what a... I probably would, wouldn't have done if 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 a director had uh, made me do that. Marry them. <laughs> oh, well, wait to hear the next three pieces of trivia. There was a scene involving Kate Capshaw and a rather large snake which had to be cut because Capshaw was having panic attacks at the very prospect of it. Spielberg has jokingly said that the only reason she married him later was because he allowed that scene to be cut rather than filmed. All right, wow, Jesus. <laughs> Kate Capshaw uh, received a black eye in an accident during the runaway minecart sequence. The next day when she reported to work, everybody on set was wearing a black smudge under their eye. Now, they there's no context here. I don't know the spirit in which that was done. That could have been mockery, or it could have been solidarity. I'm going to try and assume the best in people and assume that was solidarity. In 1984, Kate Capshaw revealed on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, uh, sorry, appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to promote Temple of Doom. Right after she promoted the film and did her interview with Johnny, Siskel and Ebert came on to do um, a roundup of recent film reviews, which they would often do on Carson. They both slammed Capshaw's performance in Temple of Doom, calling it wimpy and whiny. Capshaw intervened, saying, please don't talk to me about me like I'm not here. I am here. Brutal. This poor woman. So Jesus, that is that is the last of the. She had a miserable time making this movie, but somehow married the director. Um, odd. God. Yeah. Wow. I think some of that comes across in the performance. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't mean that maybe, in a shitty way. Maybe, to no, her. I know, but I'm thinking now, like maybe there is a, maybe there is a version of method acting occurring here. Like you know, in the scene, the scene at the end. If you could imagine the scene at the end where she like walks away before he you know lassoes her back Mm -hmm. you know that feels if that if they shot that last (laughs) do you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah um so a gentleman called dr naniyakara was cast as the indian village shaman he did not speak a word of english all of his lines he delivered phonetically by mimicking spielberg who was prompting him off camera the pauses in his dialogue were therefore not for dramatic effect but rather him waiting to hear his next line and repeat it. Right, okay. I'm just going to let that one sit there. <laughs> That's mental. Jeez. I mean, That's look, nuts. I'm glad they got an actual, like, uh, you know, Indian gentleman to play the Indian shaman. Um, could they have found an Indian gentleman that spoke English? Maybe. <laughs> I think they exist. Wow. But at the same time, I think he's quite good in that role. So... 
shrug. Yeah. Especially considering yeah. it, you know, he was just phonetically saying the words. I think they got away with it. Um, I wouldn't have known that unless I'd read that trivia. So. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to identify that. Well, I didn't identify that watching the movie. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Amrish Puri, Puri, Puri. Um, I'm not trying to pronounce his surname. Apologies. Uh, shaved his head. Um, for the role of uh, Molai Ram, uh, the villain of this movie. And it created such an impression that he kept the look, the short hair, and actually ended up going on to become one of India's uh, most popular film villains. Like, he appeared in many, many movies as a villainous character following this. So that's interesting. Fair play. Um, Kihei Kwan, um, this is his film debut. Debut? Debut. I'm going to go with debut. Um, an open casting call was put out to uh, all the elementary schools to find a young Asian actor to play short round. Kwan arrived with his brother, not to audition, but to provide moral support. Um, he caught casting directors, uh, the casting director's attention because he spent the entire time uh, during his brother's audition telling him what to do and what not to do. Spielberg liked his personality, and uh, so he and Harrison Ford improvised a scene where short round accuses Indy of cheating during a card game. Kwan won the role um, over about 6,000 other auditionees. So there you go. Nice. Uh, and he's, you know, phenomenal. He's, he is so much fun in this movie, for sure. Tons of fun in this film. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's good. Um, and I like the idea that there's recent talk of, like, doing an Indiana Jones sort of TV series, sort of, like, with, you know, short round having, you know, been taught by Indy is now the adventurer. That would be great. I, to be honest with you, I'd be happy with just a just a scene, you know, in Dial of Destiny. He he at the end of the movie he retires and he meets up with his old friend for a drink or something. Yeah, I'd be you happy know. And if you it. want to do, if you want to do a knowing kind of, uh, so what have you been up to? And then the film ends or something. Cool, fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, I I'd, I'd be happy with any form of short round. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so, because he knew he'd spend a huge, la- a huge portion of this film shirtless, Harrison Ford underwent a very strict weightlifting and um, health regimen, you know, to prepare for the film. Um, but then he actually suffered a herniated disc in his back in the scene where he's attacked in the bedroom uh, by the assassin, causing production to basically shut down while he was flown to Los Angeles for spinal surgery. Um, in an interview on the DVD release, Ford actually credits the fact he'd gotten into such good shape for his quick recovery from the back injury, because otherwise he he feels like he would have been out for much longer and it would have caused more problems. Um, that makes a lot of sense yeah, to me. Um, yeah. As a as a result, though, we talked last week about how Ford did a lot of the you know stunts and stuff himself, and you know got hurt a couple times doing it. Um, sadly, in this one, he wasn't able to do that because of the back in- in- injury. So large portions of his work in fights and chases were actually performed by stuntman Vic Armstrong, who I'd like to give a little shout out for here. Because if uh, you know, if that's def- if that, assuming that's true, which I'm, I have no reason to doubt that, um, he did a phenomenal job. Um, normally, uh, special care needs to be taken to hide a stuntman's face from the camera, but in this case, that proved to be largely unnecessary because Armstrong apparently bore such an uncanny resemblance to Ford both in face and body dimensions, that they didn't feel the need to do much trickery to make that, to hide it. Um, that's unusual. Hmm. So good. Yeah, that's very unusual. Yeah, so uh, they got a bit lucky there by the sound of it. Um, hmm. 
while filming the scene where Harrison Ford, where Indiana Jones is being whipped, the crew played one of the most unusual practical jokes I've ever heard of in my entire life on Harrison Ford. I'm going to read this to you, and then I, I want your, I want your thoughts on this, Chris, because this is fucking insane. So keep in mind, this has been framed as a practical joke. While he was changed, chained to the large stone, Barbara Streisand came in dressed in a leather dominatrix outfit and proceeded to you know fake whip him saying that's for hanover street the worst movie i ever saw she then continued whipping him and said that's for star wars and making all of that money then carrie fisher entered the room and threw herself in front of ford to protect him and irving kirshner um chided director steven spielberg loudly is this how you you run your movies this entire sequence was apparently filmed the fuck happened here what is this what is this this is this is meant to be triv not you reciting some dreams you've had recently (laughs) uh that all sounds fucking crazy that's madness right how is that a practical joke what is that how is that even a like how is that anything but a fever dream like i don't (laughs) i don't understand what's happening i don't either i don't know (laughs) madness oh, that's one of the weirdest pieces of trivia we've we've done it's so strange because i always think of like you know those sort of onset practical jokes where they bring in someone like that's not supposed to be there that's always fun like you know there was a there was a there's an old sitcom i forgot what it was but where one of the kids points out one of the ad- actors looks like uncle phil from fresh prince and then the actor that plays uncle phil from Prince comes in and surprises him or like that famous one from the when they were filming the first X Men movie, where they had they they had the whole team run into a room, and secretly they had a guy in a Spider Man suit run in with them, and they go, "Oh, sorry, everyone, wrong movie," and run out. Like that was funny. It was like a moment on set. Everyone had a laugh. Those make sense to me as jokes. I don't know what the fuck this was. Yeah, no, that's not even it was. It's not a joke for one. Like it's not funny. It's just, it's just weird. And if you're Harrison Ford, your only reaction to that is, uh <laughs> like it's not even an entertaining reaction. Surely, yeah. If I wonder if this footage is available, I might, oh, I might dig this up because I, because <laughs> it says it was filmed. Was it filmed and it's in a vault now, or was it filmed and released? Imagine that as a DVD extra. <laughs> No, DVD extra. Sure. Harrison Ford is whipped by Barbara Streisand for get, making a lot of money on Star Wars, saved by Carrie Fisher, and then randomly Has. fucking uh, uh, was it Irvin Kirshner, famed director, is like, "Is this how you run your movie set, Spielberg?" I mean, what a fucking insane uh, thing. Anyway, uh, uh, has to be in a vault. Has to be. Yeah, you wouldn't release that, would you? Not willingly. No, I certainly wouldn't. Though. I, I'm uncomfortable ever talking about it again. <laughs> we'll move on then. Um, in an interview in... <laughs> oh, 20... no, no, no. That wasn't me trying to... No, did you find it? Have you had any joy looking it up? That's no, just... I, 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 well, I'll let, you, I'll let you know next week, Chris. I'll have a look between now and the next one. We'll find out. Um, I'll, have a look. I'll have a look now while you're talking. So, in 2022, uh, New York Times interview with Robert Ito and Ki uh, Hu Kwan... Uh, Ki Hae Kwan, um, who played Short Round, remembering Harrison Ford's uh, kindness to him as a child, he said uh, he was an amazing guy, so down to earth, so humble, such a generous actor. He taught me how to swim. We were just hanging out at the swimming pool in Sri Lanka. Oh, by the way, I should say they filmed this movie in Sri Lanka because they. Oh, we'll come to that, actually. That's in the next trivia. Uh, uh, in our hotel, um, and he says, uh, "Key, do you know how to swim?" 
I didn't. So he says, come on, I'll teach you. Um, I like that. That's very sweet. That's um, awesome. That's very, yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Um, so the nightclub uh, in the opening scene is apparently called Club Obi-Wan, which is obviously an homage to Star Wars. I didn't clock that, but that's funny. Um, apparently the sound of the minecart um, running along the tracks um, during the chase scene was recorded by they went to Disneyland, let the roller coaster run, but turned off the, all the music and sound effects. And that's how they got the sound of the wheels squealing over the uh, the track. I thought that's pretty clever. <laughs> Use what you got, right? Um, so in the original draft, there was supposed to be a motorcycle chase scene across the Great Wall of China. However, the Chinese government refused to grant permission. Um, fair enough. Um, Lucas and Spielberg were concerned how uh, how to keep the audience interested during the exposition, um, you know, on the cult um, halfway through the movie. They pro- at one point they proposed a tiger hunt, but Spielberg said, "There's no way I'm going to stay in India long enough to shoot a tiger hunt." Those are definitely the words and attitude of a man who made this movie. Um, Look, Dan, I'll be honest with you. I've not taken in anything you've just said because the footage of the Carrie Fisher Barbara Streisand thing is online. <laughs> oh, no. It's incredibly poor quality. Incredibly poor quality. But it is technically online. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I've got, I've got to see this now. Um, if, you just, if you just search Carrie Fisher Barbara Streisand, it's the first result. <laughs> I just can't believe this is real. I can't believe this is real. Oh my god, it is real. It's horrible quality. And it's listed practical joke during the filming of Indiana Jones. Yeah, practical joke. I've got it. Here we go. Oh, you're right. The quality is worse than even I imagined. Yeah, but there's a transcript underneath of it. Oh my god. What is this? This is so weird. It's so weird. Oh, bizarre. Well, there you go, listeners. You can find it. Um, it's The video is titled Spielberg pulls a practical joke on Harrison Ford during the filming of Temple Temple of Doom. Um, it was uploaded five years ago. The quality is terrible, but it is fucking so weird. All right, I'll repeat my last bit of trivia for you, Chris, because um, I think this says a lot. Mm. Um, Lucas and Spielberg were concerned that audiences wouldn't be able to stay interested during the exposition sequence. You know, where they explain about the cult. Um, so what was proposed was a tiger hunt sequence where they're, they're out hunting a tiger and it, you know, so it's, it's an exciting sequence, but the exposition gets said as it's all playing out. Um, Spielberg said though, there's no way I'm going to stay in India long enough to shoot a tiger hunt to which my reply was definitely the attitude of a man who made this movie. Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Eventually instead they replaced it with the most offensive scene in the movie, which was in fact the dinner scene where the bugs and monkey brains were eaten. Um, yeah, so there you go. Um, filmmakers were unable to get permission to shoot scenes in India. Shocking! Uh, the Indian government requested a copy of the script, demanded the word Maharaja be removed, fearing the content did not reflect their culture. As a result, production just moved to Sri Lanka, uh, where some locations were also used for the bridge on the River Kwai. Um a memorable view that can be seen in both films is that of the giant bats flying above the trees. Now, um, this film was under fire when it was released for being racist and also far too 
violent for being an Indiana Jones film. Um, it was banned in India and never shown on any of India's TV channels. Um, good for them. <laughs> Put your foot down. On an unrelated note, the chilled monkey brains were made from custard and raspberry sauce. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. And speaking, right. and speaking of... Uh, things that were not particularly sensitive to the Indian culture or outright ignored it. Uh, Mola Ram's helmet appears to be made from modified parts of a cow skull. Uh, in India, uh, Hinduism is a very common religion and cows are sacred in Hinduism. So his helmet isn't only intimidating, it's sacrilegious. Now, you could argue that's intentional because they're supposed to be setting them apart from traditional um, Indian faiths. But I'm not sure they thought about it well enough to know that that's what they were doing. So, shrug. Um, yeah, yeah. Bad. I don't think that's intentional. Bad. I don't think that's an intentional thing. No. I, well, I would suspect from everything that's been discussed, it's not an intentional thing, right? Because the chances of them actually knowing anything about Indian culture seem slim, <laughs> having watched the movie. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah agreed. Uh, Chris Columbus wrote a script for this movie in which Indiana Jones traveled to Africa uh, and dueled a monkey prince. It was rejected because too many. Uh, negative uh, because of too many negative African stereotypes. Well, I'm glad they drew the line somewhere. Fucking hell! <laughs> no, that I was too that many stereotypes. Knowing knowing they had the capability to draw a line, but didn't realize they should have drawn one on the other stuff is uh, yeah, doesn't make it better in my view. Yeah, so that's a thing. Um... <laughs> Anyway, uh, the film's original title was apparently Indiana Jones and the Temple of Death. It was changed because it sounded too foreboding, although it retained that title uh, in Germany for some reason. Just kept Temple of Death. Definitely fits the fits the narrative that Lucas and Spielberg were having a bad time, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it does. Um, the giant uh, chief played by Pat Roach. Um, obviously, we, we, we've already covered this last week, but Pat Roach... Famous, I guess most famous these days for Ralph Vida St. Pepper was a successful wrestler in his day as well. He played the sort of German mechanic that fought Indy in the previous movie and another random small part. In this one, he's the big giant chief with the hammer. Um, it was meant to be something of a running joke in the series to have Roach keep returning as characters that fight Indy and always lose. But um, sadly, um, due to you know pacing and stuff his role in indiana jones and last crusade is largely cut and then he sadly passed away before kingdom of the crystal skull so this is his last really like featured role which is a shame uh, okay it's a shame very similar death to the the way he was killed in the first one as well isn't it <laughs> yes well, well actually no because i thought no, was maybe the, the guy with the is pat roach the guy that tries to strangle him in the, the assassin because i thought pat roach was the guy because that guy gets like pulled up into the like not propeller but the the fan. Yeah, I thought Pat Roach was pulled into the in. Uh, hold on, let me check. I'm pretty sure Pat Roach. I don't. I can't remember how he dies. He's the guy with the hammer, though, isn't he? No, I thought he was the. Hold on. I'll let you look that up. I'll read the next piece of trivia while you're doing it. Uh, during season three episode of Mythbusters, um, they actually tested the plausibility of surviving a fall from an airplane in a raft. As depicted in the movie, they did three test drops with a dummy and determined that it was not possible to survive as shown in the film. Um, th this wasn't one of their more scientifically rigorous tests from my memory of it, but they did deem it as busted 
um, as a as a, a not not plausible. Um, although it's never mentioned in the film, according to the novelization, Willie's full first name is Wilhelmina, and Short Round's real name is Wan Lee. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, I was right. He was, he's the he's the guard that gets caught in the rock crusher. Oh, in the rock crusher. Gotcha. Yeah, the the thing that's spinning round. So the, I the death you were... being similar in, I see. in the sense that he's dragged into a machine and killed. <laughs> yeah, I just, I misunderstood. I thought you were suggesting he was the assassin that gets pulled into the fan in the room earlier in the movie. No, no, no. He's the one with his red sash gets caught in the in the yes, crusher. Right. Yes. Um, and then he ends up going into it. Well, there you go. Mystery solved. All right. Last couple. Uh, Minecart chase was was see was partially filmed. Uh, by a special visual effects team using a miniature set and stop-motion photography. Chris, stop-motion photography is infamous on this podcast. We always spot it when they do it, especially in a live-action movie. It always looks out of place. It always has a weird frame rate. This is the first time I've ever seen it done in a way that I genuinely could not distinguish the difference between the stop-motion and the live-action. Fucking great work. Yep, I'd agree with that. Simple as. I would have never guessed that was stop-motion fantastic looked great uh many fans have expressed thoughts regarding jones and his friend's choice to go back into the mines instead of leaving through the palace which is where the rest of the escaped captives get sent there is a scene missing that explains this it's just got cut for time and pacing um well got cut for pacing according to this so basically there was a scene that had indy and willie um following helping the children go over a lava pit over a makeshift bridge when the time comes for them to cross the bridge, it catches fire under the intense heat, and they manage to save Short Round, who was starting to make his way across. And then the bridge crumbles, and that's why they have to find another way out and go through the mines. Um, so it seems that because the movie wasn't that long, most people have assumed it was cut for pacing, not time. Um, but no one's ever actually commented on it from the production of the movie. Um yeah, basically someone's seen the rushes and said that even if you added that sequence in it wouldn't add very much time not enough time to even push it over the two hour barrier so that's why people assume it was cut for pacing so there you go cool. um, during the production of Temple of Doom the film was starting to go over budget Spielberg went to the writers um, Willard Huyuk and Gloria Katz and asked them to make changes to the script in order to save money they removed one page and that allowed them to save $1 million, which can, I just want to clarify, the movie's budget was $28 million. So that $1 million these days is peanuts. But saving $1 million off a $28 million movie, that's a lot of money saved just by cutting one page. Never, never mind that. Saving $1 million on one page is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what was on that page? Well, I'm glad yeah. you asked, Chris, because you'll find out. Because this planned scene was going to use vintage biplanes and was removed from the film but then incorporated into Last Crusade. So look oh, out for interesting. that. Okay. Look out for that next week and we can watch our one million dollar scene. Um the movie's budget was, as I mentioned, twenty eight million. It's worldwide profits, just in the box office alone, not including anything that's happened since of DVD, streaming, all that stuff, none of that. Three hundred and thirty three million worldwide. Wow. On a twenty eight million dollar wow. budget. No wonder these movies kept being made, huh? That so crazy. Uh, a couple of other quick cameos. Dan Aykroyd is actually briefly in this movie as the British accented man who escorts Indy Short Round and Willie onto the cargo plane at the beginning of the movie. That's a fun one. Apparently, Dan Aykroyd had worked with George, not George Lucas, Spielberg, um, a couple of movies prior to this. Uh, Lucas uh, himself, 
pops up as a missionary in the background of the airport scene. Uh, someone called Frank Marshall, who I'm assuming was either a, like a writer or a producer, uh, shows up as a tourist in the background in the airport scene. And Spielberg himself is a missionary in the background of the airport scene at the beginning of the movie. Um, and apparently 62 out of 79 people found that interesting. Um, I accidentally copied that part into my... Uh... <laughs> into my document <laughs> so i read it out because i'm like anchorman if you put it in my document i will just read it <laughs> you will read it yeah um, and of course finally because i was too lazy to work it in this week uh, during the harry potter movies daniel Radcliffe went through 160 pairs of glasses so are you ready for cars exist chris now cars exist we only got one bit of trivia this week on cars exist but it was a good one short rounds car is a 1938 Auburn boat tail speedster which is reportedly a highly popular car in the 1930s and i imagine wasn't exactly easy to procure um, for this movie in the 80s certainly in good condition so very fun very fun sequence the car chase sequence at the beginning we've not really talked about that but you know the introduction what a great introduction for short round mm. um and what a, what a lot of fun again felt so, just so so modern do you know what i mean that is an action sequence you know ripped out of you know the hitman's bodyguard or something like that do you know what i mean like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. agreed agreed there you go. so there you go fuck me so I won't, uh, I won't. You know, great triv, Dan. Great work. Thanks, Chris. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tease us. You know, obviously, my choice for next week. Is, no, it's your choice. Well, then where we're are we going next week? We're doing Last Crusade. <laughs> Boom! There we go. Dan's not gonna tease us. Where <laughs> no, could the people why would, find why? that? Like, would, yeah, we're clearly doing like. Imagine if we did two and stopped. Like, yeah, yeah, fucking far. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, completing our trilogy because dan informs me that the fourth one is not worth watching <laughs> so completing our well trilogy i i, I it's, be... it's one of those things where like i just think like it was so long after it's not i don't really consider it part of this trilogy and it was its own it's its own debate and i now i've not seen it since the initial disappointment <laughs> and i oh, wow and like, there's a part of me that doesn't want to go back to it because i yeah. you know i just i mean i don't have the usual we talked about this last week i think but i don't have the normal complaints about that movie i don't care that it's aliens that doesn't bother me at all these movies all have weird supernatural or non-earthly things happen in them i i, I don't give a shit about that element of it but i just think the movie doesn't work for a thousand other reasons um, <laughs> so yeah but so um, we're skipping that one but we are doing last crusade next week hey dan Yes. What happens if someone's so excited about The Last Crusade that they want to listen now? Well, Chris, if they wanted to do that, they would go over to patreon.com slash nothingbutstatic. And for as little as $1 a month, they would get access to our Patreon, which allows them to listen to episodes of this and our other podcast, Analyzing Avatar, a week ahead. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or any of those platforms, and you're thinking, God, I'd love to hear them talk about Last Crusade like right now, and it's not yet out on that feed, well, go support us on Patreon. Um, we don't have we have tiers if people wish to give more but we don't gate lock the content behind certain tiers you don't need to pay at least this much to get access to that or at least this much to get access to that just any amount at all and you get access to everything we put on the patreon including and i figured out a pattern for it now chris what i'm going to do i think i'm going to for now commit to on the first of each month we'll put up something special for the for the patrons oh that makes sense yeah so the first of um what month are we now april 
the first nothing but lyrics will go up and I presume the second will go up. No, first of May, sorry, first of April is long gone. First of May, sorry, we'll put up the first episode nothing but lyrics and then we'll do the second one on the, the first of June. Um, one second. <coughs> oh, hay fever, lovely. It's fucking, I didn't even get winter this year. Like, it, hay fever just, ah, so early. I, think I, I feel like I've got two weeks of freedom from hay fever in the midwinter and now it's back. Bastards hate it anyway um yeah uh, otherwise if you want to support us in other ways if you don't want to get on the patreon and get either the exclusive content or the early access to that or um access to our discord where you can ask questions and we chat to you um or even access to the rss feed that makes getting access to those early podcasts and bonus podcasts even easier because it's one feed they all just go on if you don't want any of that but you still want to support the show we'll just keep listening or you can tell a friend or if you want to be even more involved than that, you can like and subscribe on the various platforms we're on. So you can go over to your podcast app of choice, give us some, give us a rating, give us a review, or you can text a friend who you know really loves Indiana Jones. Like, Do you want to hear two idiots talk about Indiana Jones? And then, boom. And that friend will say no, and you say you don't have a choice. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. And then you force them to listen to it, you know, in a Clockwork Orange style. You just sort of like strap them to a seat, you, you, you prop their eyes open and they're like, but it's a podcast. You don't need to. And they're like, there's a visual element. And they're like, but there isn't. Um, <laughs> Watch the tape go round and round. Watch that tape go round. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you, you hey, can do that. Uh, look, and I, I know, I know we don't have time for this, but you know, just to insert it now, this podcast is so good that Dan literally forgot about an entire episode of it last night. <laughs> Chris and I were talking about the prospect. Of... I, why was this not? Why was this not my defence earlier when you were like, "What do you mean it's not going to be the best episode we've ever done?" <laughs> why did I not go? Well, there are episodes of this down that you Chris, have written out of your brain. Chris and I were debating, not debating, but discussing the possibility of doing, a, uh, like, for fun, an entire season of rewind reviews around sequels that we've not gotten to, to sort of help catch us up because there's so many movies that we've covered, we've not gotten to their sequels yet. Um, and I was listing the movies and I said Die Hard 2 and Chris reminded me we'd done that movie already <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong I had to check and I assumed you had to check when I said it uh, I, I, was no, like, I didn't bother sure. once you said it I believed you you okay. wouldn't have said it with, I, I, like, I knew you wouldn't have said it without checking <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was like I'm sure we've done Die Hard yeah, yeah, 2 yeah. Then, I just yeah. once you said it I went oh shit we must have done because I knew there'd be no way you'd say it without looking um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, good fun that was good fun so yeah if you want to um, yeah. If you want to check it out, that, that's out there on the feed. Uh, if you'd like to send us some feedback of any kind, you can do it through the Discord, which I already mentioned, or you can email us, mail at Nothing But Static, or you can f- go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nothing But Static UK, where you can like and subscribe to also help support us and give us good algorithm stuff. But also, any video version of these has a comment section, so if you'd like to tell us your thoughts on any of the stuff we've talked about, you, the quickest and easiest way is actually go to YouTube, find the video version of this podcast and stick it in the comments. I don't always get to re- reply, but I do read all of them. There, um, We love hearing from you guys. Um, same with the emails. So yeah, that's everything. That's all the, 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 shin- all the sort of admin out the way. Thanks everyone yeah. very much for listening. We love you dearly. Um, and I'm going to hand over to my, to my good buddy Chris, who's going to yeah. take us home. Ve- very excited for the last crusade next mm-hmm. uh, until then i'm chris billingham i'm dan Dillon. and this review has been rewound
I think Last Crusade is better than Temple of Doom. Ooh, I'm excited. Well, okay, sorry. Let me rephrase that. From memory, if I watch it and have a different opinion when we get there next week, you know, I I reserve the right to change that statement. (laughs) Dial of Destiny looks fantastic. I'm so excited. I'm genuinely so excited. In Mangold, we trust. Indeed. And there's apparently a 25-minute sequence of that de-aged. Oh, anyway. De-aging effect. Great. Anyway. Bye. Bye.